You are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. I'm excited about today. We are in a series. May, well, let me pause. Maybe you just walked in the door. This is the first time you've been here and you're wondering why this place looks very much like a circus because we're in a series right now called The Family Circus. And I don't know about you, but there are times, there are days that it feels like this family that God has entrusted me with is nothing less than a circus. Anybody else relate to that this morning. Everywhere you look, there's some sort of circus performance going on, and you're just trying to figure all of it out. Well, this morning, I want to continue in this series. I want to walk through what God has for us as a family. How do we, how do we keep all of the lions and the tigers and the bears inside of their ring? How do we keep them where they're supposed to be? How do we train up and lead the clowns and the daredevils and the showmen that we have in this family? Did you know that the Bible gives us instruction of what to do? It does. I want to read our text to you this morning. It's a text or a scripture that I read last week, but I want to use it as our basis, a launching point, or maybe for the circus, I should say, our trampoline this morning. First Timothy chapter 5 says this, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than the unbelievers. Those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household. What are we talking about? Our family circus. We've denied the true faith. One translation says we're worse than the heathen. We're worse off than the unbeliever. The relative that I want to consider this morning, the relative that I want to process through this morning is our children. Mom, Dad, what are you doing with those that God has entrusted in you? What are you doing to raise your children in the ways of God? For the next few moments, I want to look at some guidelines to godly parenting. Now, if you are an empty nester this morning, or maybe you're a, a young couple without children, or maybe you're a single adult or even a teenager, don't check out on me this morning. I believe that we can take every one of these situations, we can take everything that we're learning this morning and apply it to all areas of our lives. How many of you know the Bible in all of its fullness is applicable to our hearts and to our lives? So I encourage you, sit back, buckle up, get ready, because we are going to go on a ride this morning. Four truths of caring for a godly circus. Number one is this, understanding my young performer is vital. I've got to come to that place that I understand that my young performer, the one that's in the circle, in the ring, under the big tent with me, they are absolutely vital. In the book, Becoming the Parent that God Wants You to Be, it was author Kevin Lehman that once made this statement. It's good to have healthy, realistic expectations for your children. Would you agree with that? 
It's good to have expectations because if you sit that bar and you set it down here, there's no expectation that anything goes. Whatever happens, happens. But we've got to have good, strong, healthy expectations for our children. He goes on to say this, but balance those. Did you know, parents, that balance is vitally important? If I was to get on the tightrope, and maybe in your family circus, you spend a lot of time on the tightrope. Balance is vitally important. What would happen if I get to that really, climb all the way up that ladder, I get on the edge of that, uh, the platform there, and the tightrope is in front of me, but I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm going to hope there's a net at the bottom, is all I'm saying. No, balance is vital. Oftentimes they'll have that long bar. They're using that to balance themselves out. But balance those expectations by fully accepting that they will not always meet your standards or desires. Well, that's hard. Because I don't know about you, but when I put expectations upon my kids, I want them to achieve those expectations. When I get home, that trash better be taken out. When I get home, that room better be cleaned. Yes? It's vitally important that we as parents strive to understand our children. The number one complaint that most children have against their parents is this. They just don't understand me. Most kids will say, my parents just don't get it. Things are different now than when they were a kid back in the Stone Age. But you know what the number one complaint of parents is? I just don't understand them. Right? Things are so much different now than when I was a kid in the Stone Age. I just don't understand my kids. I don't get what they're going through. I don't get what they're experiencing. I can't even wrap myself around it. I just don't get it. The Bible says this in Proverbs 24. It takes wisdom to have a good family. So so we could do all sorts of research. We could have every parenting book out there. We could go to all sorts of classes and studies. We could even do research online. Or if you're old school, get out your uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Come on, somebody. For old school, my son and I had a conversation yesterday about research from when I was a kid and research now. And he admits, readily admits that he has it so much easier than we did. We had to go to this place called the library. You might know it as a museum. And then we had to go to this card catalog and read the Dewey Decimal System. And we had to know what those numbers and dots all meant. And we'd have to go to that section and find that book or find that encyclopedia or find that information. And then we would spend hours in that big, massive stack of books that we have, right? And what do they do? Google. Two seconds later, 2.4 if it's really slow speed. They've got all of the answers and everybody's opinion. But if you have wisdom, if you've wrapped yourself around this idea of parenting, the Bible says you're going to have a good family. But he goes on to say this, and it takes understanding to make it strong. See, it's not enough just to have a, a good family. 
I want to have a great family. I'm talking about the kind of family that, that when the winds begin to blow and when the, when the floodwaters begin to come in and when the frustrations and the disagreements occur in the household, my family is not just a good family, but they're able to stand strong and solid and put their feet down and say, you know what? No matter what happens, no matter what goes on, no matter what we experience, we're going to make it through it. Why? Because we're strong. It takes wisdom to have a good family. It takes understanding to make it strong. We need to know what makes our family move forward. Every child has a unique personality. Every child has a unique temperament. If you have more than one child, you can testify to this. Not a single one of our kids are identical to one another. How you reason with them has to be different. How you communicate with them has to be different. How you discipline them has to be different. They're not motivated the same. They don't have the same strengths and they don't have the same weaknesses, talents, abilities, or even interests. We shouldn't try to fit them in the same circus performance. Some aren't made for this ring here. Some are made for this ring over here. Every one of them is different. They're they're one in 7.6 billion. This whole world, we're all different. I must come to the place that I recognize the potential of my child. I've got to understand their ability. I need to encourage them. I need to direct them in what they're naturally inclined to do. What is that natural ability? What is that natural talent that they have? Can I just speak Honestly, for a moment, parents, don't try to live out your dreams in your child. One thing that we tried to do, and let me just be honest, we, we haven't done everything perfect. But one thing that we tried to do is allow our children to make choices, knowing full well that neither one of us are athletic at all. I am just musician through and through. I am theatrical through and through. I know you'd never guess that, would you? But we thought when, my, when our kids were younger, we would allow them to try sports. I mean, I tried sports when I was a kid. I played football, fifth and sixth grade, <laughs> until I realized that hurt. <laughs> I don't get hurt singing. No, anyway, let me move on. So we allowed our kids to try different things. We allowed them to figure out what is your ability, what is your strength, what is your talent. We need to encourage them in that but also, if your child is boisterous, don't try to make them shy. If your child is shy, don't try to make them boisterous. If they're the clown of the family, really nurture that and help them to develop into what God has called them to be. Maybe they're a showman. Maybe they're the daredevil. Did you know that God can use those abilities in great and mighty ways? But what is the proof that I have understanding of my kids? The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14. Patient people have great understanding, but people with quick tempers show off their foolishness. Look at that. Patient people have great understanding. So, pastor, are you saying that if I'm not patient with my child 24-7 every time we turn around, that I don't understand them at all? The Bible says, patient people have great understanding. 
But does that mean that you will never get frustrated? No. See, patience, I believe, patience comes out of moments of frustration. Don't believe that. This afternoon, I want you to spend the next week with this prayer focus. God, give me patience. <laughs> Some of you have tried that. I see it in your eyes. You're like, not today, Pastor. We'll listen to the rest of the service where we're not taking that advice at all. You begin to ask God for patience. You begin to cry out, God, give me patience. And day after day, you say, God, give me patience. Guess what? He's going to give you opportunity to learn patience. It may come in the bodily shape of a two-year-old. But he'll give you patience. Patient people have great understanding, but people with quick tempers show their foolishness. It may not be easy, but it's vital. It's vital that you take the time to work toward patience with those in your household. Number two, discipline must play a role in the training. See, training is what we are doing from the moment we bring that child home. The Bible tells us, train up a child. That's our role as the ringmaster. We learned last week that we're the ringmaster. Mom, dad, we're the ringmaster. Our role is to train up our children. Help them become productive parts of society. It's not we, we coddle them and, and hold over them and, and helicopter over them until suddenly they're 18 and then we open up the door and we do this. I was listening to, okay, wow. This is really going to show that I'm not like this athletic guy. I was listening to show tunes yesterday. But the day before, I had a chainsaw in my hand. Come on, does that balance out a little bit? The problem is I had show tunes going on while I had the chainsaw. But it's okay. It's all right. Let's move on. I was listening to show tunes, and Shrek came on. The Big Bad Beautiful World was the song. And in the midst of the song, maybe, how many of you are familiar with Shrek? No, you guys are the spiritual ones, aren't you? You don't listen to things about big, green, ugly people. So his parents were talking to him. They said, Shrek, it's time for you to go out in the world. I think he's seven years old or whatever. He's like, it's time for you to, to live your own life. Everything is great. It's a big, bright, beautiful world. And shoes him out the door and says, but not for you. Why? Because life's hard. Life's difficult. There are going to be moments in life when it just does not seem fair. Young people, can I just speak into our young people for a moment? I know this is a parenting day, but let me, let me talk to our young people. Maybe you're a younger student, or maybe you're getting ready to go off into the big, bright, beautiful world. Life isn't always fair. Things don't go like the internet says they go. Things don't play out like your favorite sitcom says they play out. Sometimes life just kicks you in the hind end and doesn't apologize. Life's not fair. But mom, dad, it's our responsibility to prepare our children for that moment. To prepare them for that time when when their boss yells at them even though it wasn't their fault. (laughs) How many times have you gone to your school, the teacher has gotten on to your student and you're like, Well, I know it's not their fault because there's 45 other kids having the same problem in your classroom. It's not their fault. It's all your fault. 
Could it be that your student didn't study last night because they were on the phone, Snapchat, with those other 45 students? Right? I mean, that's a lot of Snapchat friends. I have like three. The three teenage girls in my life, Pastor Andy, my daughter, and I don't know if he's still in the room, but Ryland Swank is the other. The three teenage girls in my life. Um, Aren't you glad that I specified that? You've been like, you had three teenage girls? What is that? Uh, let, let me move on. I'm way off my notes this morning. We've got to train them to be productive parts of society. We're training them to fulfill the purpose that God has set before them. We're training them in the ways of the Lord. But in this training, we must be the parents. We're the ring leader, the ring master of this family circus. We must not avoid correction or discipline. Oh, but pastor, I want my my kids to like me. I want to be their BFF. I want to be their best friend, pastor. I want you to pin mark that thought for a moment. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 says this, For the Lord, say with me, disciplines those he... I want you to read all that. That's good stuff. For the Lord disciplines those he... Loves. The Bible is very clear that God takes the time to discipline those that He truly loves. Now, if we compare that to our behavior as parents, you could say that there are two things that are true when it comes to not disciplining our children. Number one is this. Now, these are kind of harsh, but bear with me. I'm going to back them up with Scripture. Number one, The result of lack of discipline, number one, it reveals that I really don't love my kids. I just made a lot of enemies right there real quick. But I want to back it up with Scripture. Proverbs 13, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. That's a harsh word. Those that that fail to really discipline their child, they hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline. If I let them, him or her, get away with anything and everything, it shows that I really don't care much about them. Let me give you a little side note. Some of you a while ago, you were thinking in your head, well, I want my kids to like me. I want to be their BFF. I want them just to have big fuzzy thoughts about me when they think of mom, when they think of dad. Here's the solution to that. Your responsibility is not to be your child's best friend. You are the parents. Come on, come on, hear this. Hear this, guys. Man, if all we do is is throw bonbons at the kids. We're not really loving them. We're not raising them up to what life is really like. We're not helping them to see the reality of what this big, bad, beautiful world is all about. In fact, the Bible says if I I fail to discipline, the truth of the matter is I, I hate my kids. The second result of a lack of discipline is this. It shows that I'm participating in their destruction. Well, pastor, where in the world in the Bible did you find that one? Proverbs 19. (laughs) Discipline your children while they are young enough to learn. If you don't, you're helping them destroy themselves. 
It's important that you understand the difference, though, between discipline and punishment. I've shared this with you before, but I want to reiterate it again. Because how have you know, sometimes it takes a little bit to get through. Is that just me? Or maybe just this side of the room. I heard responses here, but I heard nothing over here. Do this real quick. Yeah, some of you made like a big, long echoey sound. It's still going. I'm just kidding. It shows that I'm participating in their destruction. It's important to know the difference between discipline and punishment. Let's look at the, dis- uh, the difference here. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty and is based on the past. So punishment is penalty based on the past. I want to penalize you for what you've done wrong. I'm going to look backwards to 15, 20, 30 minutes ago. I want to look backwards to earlier today when you were at school. I want to look backwards to last week when this occurred. You did the the crime. Now it's time to pay the fine. You messed up. Now it's time to face the consequences for what you did back then. Now we're going to have a punishment. But the purpose of discipline, now look, there's a huge difference here. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth, focusing on the future. Punishment, the past. Discipline, the future. I want to correct you. I want to train you. I want to make you better. Here is why what you did was wrong. Here is why that behavior was not acceptable. I want you to do right in the future. The attitude of a parent in punishment is anger. The motivation behind discipline is love. You don't discipline in anger. You discipline in love. I want to give you three principles on discipline very quickly. Number one, you must discipline calmly. Must discipline calmly. Discipline is not set in motion to relieve frustration. Sometimes, sometimes you need to count to ten before you discipline. Because sometimes you've had it up to about right here and one more word out of their mouth and that top's going to go... Right? I mean, you are moments away from self-destruction, and you just want, with all that is in you, to take that child and go, what are you thinking? Sometimes you need to count to ten. You need to get a breather. You need to get yourself under control. You need to discipline calmly. It's not to relieve frustration. Proverbs 29 says this, fools vent their anger but the wise quietly hold it back. It is foolish to discipline your child in anger. You're only hurting them and you're hurting yourself in the long run. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Parents, do not treat your children in such a way that makes them angry. Instead, raise them with Christian discipline and instruction. What is Christian discipline and instruction? I believe it's based off of who God is. And God, by definition, is what? Love. Raise them. Train them. Encourage them with Christian discipline. With love-enhanced discipline and instruction. One translation says it this way. 
Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Anybody in here like to be nagged? No. None of us like to be nagged. Nagging does not work. Your kids don't like it any more than you like it, so don't do it. Don't be that nag. Look at the second one, discipline quickly. Now, I know it sounds a little bit like a contradiction. A moment ago, I said you might need to count to 10. Well, sometimes you need to count to 10, but discipline quickly. Do not use this phrase, well, just wait till your father gets home. (laughs) Or when your mama gets home, she's going to ruffle your feathers, I'm just telling you. Whatever you need to do, do it quickly. But discipline ought to be shared. Not one person in the family should be the heavy hand and the other one is just kind of behind the scenes. Both of you need to share this discipline responsibility together. Because guess what? The two, the Bible says, when you're married, the two become one. You are the parents. Husband and wife together, working together to raise up this next generation, to raise up your children. You must work in unison together with one purpose and with one goal. Number three, discipline sparingly. What do I mean by this? I mean, don't be continuously coming down and coming down. That borderline's on nagging. You don't discipline all the time. You get more effect out of this if you don't do it continuously look at this colossians 3 fathers don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying well there's just no hope i can't do there's nothing i can do to please them because every time i turn around every time i even take a breath i took a breath wrong sometimes your kids start feeling that way because all you've done is come down on them come down on them come down on them come down on them we've got to find that balance in life Look at our third truth. Love must continuously be given. What are our three points so far? Number one, understanding my young performer is vital. Number two, discipline must play a role in training. And now number three, love must continuously be given. First John chapter 3 says this. See how much love our Father loves us. So, I'm sorry, let me read that again. See how very much our Father loves us. He calls us His children, and that's what we are. The Bible is full of example, time and time again, of how great His love is for us. How great the Father's love is for those who call out to Him. How great the love is of the Father that He pours upon us. Every one of us in this room, I would venture to say, if you are a parent, you love your kids. Yes? Now, you may be frustrated with them this morning because you were on your way to church and they were in the back seat and they were just going at it. Do you remember the old, he's poking me, he's poking me, all these things? That was your kids this morning. And you even said, if you poke him one more time, I'm going to turn this car around and you're going to hope that Jesus comes back now. (laughs) I mean, you have just, all right. So I want you to understand, you still love them. You may not like them right now, but you still love them. So how are you expressing that love to your children? How are you showing that to them? Probably the number one way that kids sense love is attention. 
Let me pause for a moment. There's another book. Oftentimes when I am performing someone's wedding ceremony, I require a book called The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. I mentioned that last week, I believe. There is a children's version of that called The Five Love Languages of Children. If you're trying to figure out how do I speak into my child's life, let me encourage you to grab this book. Take a moment and you can get it online. Amazon's got it. You can get it probably at Hobby Lobby or any bookstore. They're going to have this book. Pick it up and read it. But I believe that one of the number one or one of the biggest ways that you can pour love into your child is attention. How do I know that? Because when my kids were little, if they were doing something, what did they keep saying? Dad, look at me. Dad, look at me. Dad, look at me. Dad, look at me. And I would look. I'd look back down. Dad, look at me. I'd look and they do the same thing again. Look at me, do it 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 again. Right? Our kids love attention. They love to be the very focal point of your attention. When is the last time that you got down eyeball to eyeball with your child? You looked at them and you paused for a moment and you said this to them. If I had it all to do over again, if I could choose any kid in the world, I would choose you. You would be my number one choice. We've got to listen. We've got to give them the attention that they need. We also have many absentee fathers. In doing some research, I discovered this. Cornell University did a study a while back. They discovered that here in America, the average father, are you ready for this? The average father per day spends 37.7 seconds communicating with his child. Here in America, 37.7 seconds of communication per day. Yet our students, our children are watching two to four hours of TV every single day. In fact, I heard a statistic this week that says they average six hours a day on some form of screen. Where do we think they are learning? What is training up our child? What is teaching our child moral values? What is teaching our child the way of life? What is teaching our child about God? It's certainly not done in 37.7 seconds. You've got to spend that time together. However, I believe there's got to be a balance I see parents that are spending so much time. They're hovering over the child everywhere that child goes. No matter how old they get, they're going to get a picture of every single moment. They take them here and they take them there and they take them here and they take them there. They never have a break, never have a moment of separation. Can I just tell you something? Your child needs a moment to grow up. They don't need mama walking with them in every situation. Sometimes they need to figure it out. So would you, would you find that balance? See, you can spend not enough time, 37.7 seconds, not enough time. You can spend too much time. Oh, my son's a senior this year. I'm going to walk into this first day of his senior year. And I'm going to get pictures. I'm going to get pictures with every one of his teachers as he goes through the day. I'm going to get pictures of his locker. Oh, this is his locker. Look at that. I'm going I'm to post it on social media. Isn't my son the cutest little guy ever? He's 18. Back in the day, 18-year-olds were going to war. 
Mom wasn't, looking. he's falling, he's coming out of a helicopter. He's paratrooping in. Come on, Mom. Let your child begin to grow up. Let me move on. Number four. There must be consistency in the circus. You must have consistency. The Bible says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Guess what? Jesus is consistent. I don't know about you, but that just boils something exciting inside of me. I love the fact that I know who I'm talking to every day when I go to the throne room of God. I love that when I call out his name, I know He's who he's going to be when he shows up. I know that I know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what about you? Let's look at some areas of consistency. Discipline and rules. Is this helpful stuff? Discipline and rules. These aren't on, this, on, on your notes. You can write them in there on the screen behind me. Sometimes we let our mood, listen carefully, Mom, listen carefully, Dad. Sometimes we let our mood, rather than the child's conduct, determine what the rule is and what the discipline will be. If we're having a bad day, if things weren't very productive at work, if things were kind of frustrating at work, we come home and we take it out on our children. We scream at them. We punish them for every single breath that they take. But the next day, we're in a good mood. So they get little to no punishment at all, little to no discipline at all for doing the same thing that they did the day before. And sometimes we're just so busy We'll give our child the instruction, but then we don't pay a bit of attention to what's happening. We aren't involved in anything else because suddenly our focus is over here. We overlook their disobedience. And as a result, the child learns that whether or not they get disciplined or whether or not they are punished will depend not on what they do, but on what mood mom and dad is or what they're involved in in that moment. Very confusing for a child. The second thing is this, parental consistency. Now, now oftentimes in a relationship, there's going to be the, the strict parents and then there's going to be the lenient parent. The lenient one thinks the child is being treated too harshly, so he or she compensates by being increasingly lenient to make up for the strictness of the other parents. Are you checking here with me? The other parent sees this and reacts by becoming even more and more strict, and then the leniency one becomes more and more lenient. You've got this vicious circle, this vicious cycle going on in the household. The child is completely and utterly confused. One parent disciplines him while the other one protects him. He doesn't really know what the rules are. He has no sense of security. Simply becomes a, a pawn in the power struggle of the house. The ringmasters can't agree. Can I just tell you, mom and dad, you need to sit down and you need to figure out where you stand together. The two become one. So therefore, the child goes to this parent 
to get what he wants. But the end result is the child really doesn't respect either parent at all. If they can't decide what the rules are, why does he need to listen anyway? Mark chapter 3 says this, If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Mom and dad, you cannot be divided. You must be on the same page. You must be moving forward together. The two are one. You cannot be divided. If you're divided, you will not stand. Look at our final, final thoughts. Parental responses. What I'm talking about here is favoritism. You favor one child over the other. You may justify your reasoning for that. Maybe they don't aggravate you as much. You know why they aggravate you? Because they're just like you are. Let me move on. The one that you're discrimin or the one that's being discriminated against becomes rebellious. They are jealous of the favor when they're angry at the parents. They feel unloved. They feel deliberately, so they did deliberately disobey the parent just to get attention. Did you know that attention, whether positive or negative, is still attention? I noticed that a lot when I used to be a teacher. In my classroom, there were these particular students. You either, you, you knew one of two groups of kids more than anybody else. You knew the overachievers and you knew the underachievers. Those in the middle kind of got lost. It took you until about mid-semester to figure out, oh, you're in my class? Third hour? Oh, okay. But these two end caps, you knew them very quickly. These were the overachievers. These are the ones that wanted to always please everybody. These are the ones that always turned their homework in like three days earlier. And then you had your underachievers. These are the ones that did anything and everything they could just to get attention. Because maybe at home they weren't getting attention. Maybe, maybe at home things weren't really going so hot. So they, they knew that if they would act up that somebody would respond to them and they would, they would catch their eye. These that are being discriminated against, in other words, they're not the favorites. They will do anything they can just to get your attention. But the favorite one is also her because they grow up thinking that the world revolves around them. And then they're thrown into this big, bad, beautiful world and they realize, wow, there is nothing revolving around me. And life is suddenly more difficult for them than it ever was before. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says this, For God does not show favoritism. Here's the deal. You as the parent, you as the ringmaster of this family circus, you are teaching and you are training every single moment from sunup to sundown. If you have children at home, guess what? Your home is bugged. I'm not saying you have bugs. I'm saying it's bugged. 
They're listening to everything. They're picking up every conversation. They're picking up the details more than you'll ever imagine that they're doing. They're watching your every move. They're watching what you, how you respond to your spouse. They're listening to how you talk on the phone. You're teaching them consistently by your example. But maybe you're here this morning, and as a parent, you're frustrated. As a parent, you're just absolutely over-the-top aggravated. You say, my kids are just not going the way that I think they need to go. They're just not becoming what I imagined that my kids would become. Maybe you feel, as the parent, like a total failure. I want you to know that God is here. And I would ask you today, would you, would you turn to Him? Would you say, God, I admit I haven't been the mom, I haven't been the dad that you want me to be? Let me just interject here. None of us are perfect. You're, you're in a room full of people that are trying to figure this thing out. Because it amazes me that with everything in life, you have to get a license. I want to drive a car, got to get a license. I want to go hunting got to get a license. Want to go fishing? Got to get a license. Want to drive an airplane? Fly an airplane? I got to get a license. Everything in life, you have to have a license. Except parenting. Good luck. Hope it all works out. We'll see what happens in 18 years. And you say, God, This is not going the way that I imagined that it was going to go. God, this is hard. And Lord, I need your help. Maybe you're a brand new parent. You're scared to death. Can I give you one final thought? And this goes for the new parent. This goes for people that are planning on having kids, this goes for those that have kids now. Just remember this. Treat your kids the way God treats you and you'll do okay. Well, pastor, why didn't you say that on the front side and just close out everything? That sums up the entire message. Treat your children the way that God treats you and everything's going to work out okay. How's that possible? Because we're not God. We give them to Him. God, I dedicate my child to you. God, I I surrender them to you. And I just ask in return that, that you will help me to be the godly father that you want me to be. That, that, that you, would, you would help me to, to respond to my kids the way that you respond to me. God, that, that you would help me to say what you would say. God, I surrender it all to you right now. What's that look like in your life? Are you ready to surrender your family circus to God? Because let me be honest. We can't do this by ourselves. 
I don't know a parent that's strong enough to do this by themselves because there are some pretty steep requirements there. But if we give it to him, we can make it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?